0: So today as we continue in our passage in Nehemiah 8, we're gonna see that they finished the wall, right? We know that they finished the wall and now that they've rebuilt the wall, we will see that it's time to rebuild the people and they're gonna be faced with a truth, the truth of God's word and the truth of who they are as a people. You know, my... Family and I just got back from a vacation. We went up to a lake in Northern California. It's about 550 miles north. It's above, hour and a half above Chico, if you're familiar with that. And the reason it's so wonderful is because nobody knows about it. So last time we went up there, it took about 14 hours to get up there. So towing a trailer with a dog and three kids in the back seat, 14 hours. 14 hours the smell that can come from the back seat of a car back seat of the truck the kids blamed it on the dog but i'm not so sure so this time i said we're going to do it a little bit different i'm going to just drive through the night and we're going to see if we can do it faster cuz i'm all about the destination my wife's about the journey I'm about the destination. See how fast we can get there. We're not going to stop. I don't care if you have to go to the bathroom. It's going to take too long. We're going to anybody else with me? Like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to get there as fast as we can. So I said, we're just going to go. The kids were great. They let me sleep during the day. And we're going to leave at 1.30 in the morning. And we did. Kids and the dog are asleep in the back seat. My wife's kind of sleeping in the front seat. We get up over the grapevine. We're headed through Bakersfield. There's no traffic except for one car. And he is right up on me in the back of the trailer. I mean, he is tailgating me. He's so close that I can't even see the car in the mirrors. All I can tell is that there's headlights back there. Everybody feel that urge when there's somebody tailgating in that close? Is that overwhelming urge to pray for them? <laughs> you know that feeling like I'm just going to pray for this guy. So I just began to pray for them. There's nobody on the left lane or the right lane next to me, so I I did the right thing, and I prayed. I I merged to the right, and guess what they did? They followed me to the next lane over, and as I continued to pray for them, and they followed me to the next lane over, I hear that familiar sound. And I saw the blue lights. And instantly, my heart dropped. And I became very familiar with this and aware that I didn't want to make that drive in 14 hours. (laughs) That I wanted to make that drive in six hours. (laughs) And I just became flooded with this sense of guilt. And honestly, it felt a sense of shame. And I was overwhelmed with the awareness of maybe how fast I was going, and I just started saying, Wow. And I think sometimes we do that with God. Maybe we walk into church, or we read our Bibles, and we come across a verse, or we hear a song with certain lyrics. And we suddenly become very aware of what we did this week. Suddenly we become very aware of the sin that's in our life. And this week in our passage, as we're going to see in Nehemiah, the people become very aware of themselves when they come face to face with the truth of God's word. So if you haven't already, open your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 8. We're going to look at the first three verses to start us off. And if you'd be so kind to stand for the reading of God's word. So verse 1 starts off with, All the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra, the priest, brought out the law before the assembly, which was made up of the men and women, and all the people were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon, and he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and the others who could understand, and all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Thank you. You may be seated. So if we're to be good students of the word, we can't just read through this quickly and and go rushing through it. We need to slow down a little bit. And as I did that this week, there's a couple of things that stood out to me, just a couple of words or phrases that that popped out. So I don't know if you're somebody that underlines or highlights, but I want to point out a couple of those to you right now. So that's this, looking back at verses one and two, here's the, the words or phrases that popped out. As one water gate the Lord commanded first day of the 7th month and who could understand so bear with me as these things jumped out at me this week it's important that we notice and truly understand why these things are important we can't just read through them without giving a little bit of context now they pulled these pulled this book out they said Ezra read read from this and part of that reading would have been the law of Moses and that included the book of Leviticus. Now, for the sake of time, I'm not gonna ask you to turn there, but it's Leviticus 23. So write down Leviticus 23. And in Leviticus 23, God is giving instructions on certain festivals that he wanted them to celebrate as reminders of his faithfulness to them. That would have been the festival of trumpets the Day of Atonement and what's called the the Festival of Tabernacles, the Festival of Booths. Now, the Festival of Trumpets was a a sacred assembly that was commemorated with a a trumpet blast. And this would have been a a day of Sabbath that was um, on the first day of the seventh month. So you're not supposed to work and you were to present a food offering to the Lord. On your calendar, you may still see it as Rosh Hashanah. And this was in in preparation for the Day of Atonement. Now, Nehemiah is not going to mention the the Day of Atonement in Nehemiah 8, but he will mention the Day of the Festival of Booths. And we're going to get to that in a little bit. But why is it so significant, looking back at verses 1 and 2, that he is talking about the Festival of Trumpets? If we look at Leviticus 23, 23, it says that on the first day of the seventh month, you were to celebrate, excuse me, you were to celebrate this festival of trumpets, okay? Leviticus 23, 23, God says, first day of the seventh month, I want you to celebrate this festival of trumpets. Look at chapter eight in Nehemiah, verse two. What day did they celebrate it? First day of the seventh month. They are being obedient to God's law, right? Something popped up to me this week. How many days did it take them to finish the wall? 52 days. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? How did they finish the day in 52 days? I would say that's kind of a miracle, isn't it? Would you say that God had something to do with that? Do you know how many days it was between finishing the wall in 52 days and that first day of the seventh month? 20 days. And as we saw last week, it was about them getting the lineage and putting everybody in in the right tribes and them moving into their towns. That was a lot of work to do in that 20 days. God had equipped them, enabled them to finish the wall in the 52 days so that they could be obedient to his law and celebrate on this first day of the seventh month. I'd say that's pretty incredible. So why is it so significant now that they're meeting at the water gate? Again, going back to Leviticus 23, he says, I want you to have this sacred assembly. And as they gathered as one, now they finished the temple, right? So why aren't they gathering at the temple? Well, if they met at the temple, that would have meant that the priests had to be in one area, in the priest's court. The men would have had to been in the men's court. The women would have had to been in the women's court. They wouldn't have been able to have a sacred assembly where everyone was in one area united. It wouldn't have been a sacred assembly. So now they had to meet at the water gate. When we slow down and look at this passage in a little bit more context, all of this stuff starts to pop out, doesn't it? So they met at the water gate. We have Ezra the priest reading from the law from daybreak until noon. Everyone, the men, the women, the children, everyone, and the people listened attentively. What time is sunrise this morning? Anybody know? Six something? Till noon? I don't wanna hear anybody complain about my long sermons again. But man, do I want to have that desire. I want to have that desire to sit there from sunrise to noon and say, I want to hear God's word for six hours. I want to have that ability. We've conditioned ourselves to like, ah, 45 minutes is like max, Mike. 30 minutes is even better. But I want to have that desire to say, I want God's word. I want more of God's word. But even the children hung in there and they listened attentively. So just in the first few verses, giving us some context to what's happening as the people gathered being obedient to what God was calling them to do, eager to hear God's word. And you have Ezra the priest up on this platform so that all could hear. Look at verse five. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them as he opened it, the people all stood. He opened the book. I don't know how long you'll be at Cornerstone. I pray that it'll be forever. But I don't know how long that's gonna be before God moves you to Tennessee or Texas like everyone else. But if he does, I pray that you find a Bible teaching church. This is how God's people are rebuilt. This is how God's people are built. This is the Word of God. You have to find a church that opens the book. But it's not just about going to a church that opens the book. I pray that you open the book. Every day, I pray that God is building you when you open the book. It's not just about the pastor opening the book. I pray that you open the book yourself and allow God to build you through his word. God had brought his people out of exile and now he's beginning the process of rebuilding his people. And this is the building block through which he is doing that. And they're being faced with the truth. They're coming face to face with the truth of his law. It's the word of God that's gonna breathe life into his people. And we need that word of God. We need God's truth and understanding. You know, we stand here when we read God's word as a sign of respect, but I want us to understand that this is descriptive, not prescriptive. Not every church stands when they do that and that's okay. We choose to do that. We do it because we want to, not because we we have to. We honor God through doing that because we, we want to. Again, it's descriptive, not prescriptive. Look at verse six. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. And then they bowed down and they worshiped the Lord their, with their faces to the ground. God's word humbles them as they bow down and worship with their faces on the ground. They're entering this place of humility as God's word is read and they're worshiping and they're praising him. God's word should drive us to God's worship. The truth of who he is should drive us to worship him. And as the truth sets in, they were driven to praise God. Have you ever walked outside on a a cold day Maybe you have a cup of coffee in your hand or tea and you stand in a spot of sunshine and you're just holding it and you feel that sun just start to warm your bones and you you don't wanna move and it's just, you feel it literally warming your insides and you don't wanna move and it feels so good. That's what's happening with the people right here. They're hearing God's word and they feel it literally building them up. They feel God's word bringing life into them. They built this wall so that they could worship God in safety and now they're doing it. Can you even imagine that feeling? they had been in exile. Let that sink in for a moment. They knew their heritage. They knew they were God's chosen people, but because of their sin, they had been overrun and cast out, and they'd been made into slaves in another nation, but now God had brought them back. The temple had been rebuilt. They rebuilt the wall, and now they're all together. They're finally all back together. They'd moved into their towns and their areas, and now they're worshiping God together as one. The power and the emotion behind that must have been incredible. Incredible. The word of God is powerful. And it's becoming clear to them. The understanding of God's word is becoming clear to them. many for the first time. For the first time, they're hearing the word of God in this, this new way. Because the Levites are walking around helping them understand what it meant. Now, the Levites' role that day is kind of Twofold. We understand the tribe of Levites, their, their role in the temple was to interpret the, the law. Here, they're going around helping people understand that word of the laws is being read. So you have Ezra reading it. The Levites are walking around amongst the people, helping them understand. You have to imagine almost like our our small groups. If you, you hear a sermon on Sunday, then the small groups are talking about it, breaking it down a little bit deeper. That's what the Levites are walking around the groups, talking and helping them understand what it means. They're going a little bit deeper, interpreting, helping them do that. But beyond that, they're helping translate. So you have to remember, not everyone was born there. Some of these people were born in captivity. And this law is being read in Hebrew. So they're helping translate to Assyrian. So hope this, this image is becoming a little bit clearer to exactly what's going on. These people are coming from everywhere. They're in exile now for the first time. They're all being brought back together. And they're understanding, they're being read the word of God. And for the first time, they're, they're having a true understanding of what It means. And it's being translated into their language so they could understand it for the first time. And it's like, whoa, that's what it means? I, I didn't know. I, I heard it maybe before, but I didn't know that that's what it means. And it's setting in. Now we're at this point where these people have a true understanding of what God's word means and it's sinking in how sinful they've been that their people have turned their backs on God and it's because of their sin that they've been put into exile that they haven't been faithful to God. I don't know about you, but I've had those moments in my life when I've been very aware that it's been my sin that that Jesus bore on the cross. That I've been very aware that I have not been faithful to God. And this is one of those moments for the people of Israel. So let's look at how they face that truth. Look at verse 9 and 11. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest, the teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy, I just set apart to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people, that's all the people have been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, go, enjoy choice foods and sweet drinks and send them to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people saying, be still for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Notice there in verse 10, it says, send some to those who have nothing prepared. I look at that and I don't see that as just like give to those that are poor. It says give to those that have nothing prepared. You have to remember this is a people that aren't necessarily familiar with the the law of the Lord. So they had nothing prepared because they weren't familiar with this is what they're supposed to do. For those that didn't know this was supposed to be a celebration, for those that didn't know that they're supposed to give an offering or they're supposed to go and celebrate with this food and drink, go and let them know. Go and help them understand. That stood out to me this week, because isn't that what we're all supposed to do? For those that don't have an understanding of what this means, of what we're supposed to be doing, aren't we supposed to go and help them understand? For those that aren't prepared, aren't we supposed to go and help them? That's what he's saying. Go and give to those. Help them understand what they're supposed to be doing. And this may be a passage that some of you are familiar with, but if we're going to be good students of the word, we have to remember that, take the passage in context. You may have heard this verse many times or Part of this verse, many times, the joy of the Lord is my strength. But let's look at it again in its context and what's happening in this story. The people of Israel being faced with the truth of God's word and it's setting in just how sinful they have been. How they have not been faithful. How it is their sin that has caused them to be in exile. As they heard God's law read to them, it's like this, light of contrast to their life that they've been living. We have this amazing golden retriever. Her name is Bella. And Bella does nothing wrong, like, ever, because, mostly because she's scared of everything. Like, if you change her shampoo, she freaks out. But occasionally, she'll get a hold of a paper towel and rip it up or get a pair of socks or something. And you know that she's done something wrong just when you walk in the room. You don't even have to find evidence of it. you walk in the room, but she gets this, this look and she can't look at you. Like, anybody else have a dog that does that or a pet that does not just can't even look at you and they just, I get that. I get that so much. Because there's times in my life when I, I feel that with God when I've messed up and and I feel so sad that I can't even move. And I I feel so ashamed that I can't even show my face. I feel so unworthy that I don't even feel like I can worship. And I just need somebody to come alongside and remind me of the truth of grace and the reason for my joy. And the people here in this story are so torn up and they're saying, how can we go on knowing what we have done? But that attitude diminishes the truth of who our God is. The leaders here are saying, find strength in who our God is. The joy of who our God is, the joy of what our God has done The joy of how our God loves us. The joy of how our God has redeemed us. How our God has brought us back. The joy of the Lord is our strength. He has brought us back. He has rebuilt the temple. He has rebuilt the wall. He loves us. We are His people. See, the purpose of his word is not to point out our sin. It's to point us to God. Don't mix that up. See, when I was pulled over by that officer, and I sat there saying, oh, he came up to the window and I had my license out. And he said, I'm not going to ask for your license. I just want to make you aware that your running lights are out. I just want you to be safe. <laughs> you brought me such peace. <laughs> Honestly, joy. Joy. <laughs> He just wanted my family to be safe. He wanted to make sure I was on the right path. Same thing is happening in this story. The joy of the Lord is my strength. This is here to make sure that we are on the right path. The purpose of this day, this festival, that God commanded as a reminder of the faithfulness to them, his faithfulness to them, not to dwell on sin. The point of this day was to say, I love you enough to forgive you. They had reason to celebrate and so do we, amen? Don't let the enemy rob you of that joy. This truth is to remind us, you know, the purpose of this is to remind us of the truth, not of our sin. It's to remind us of forgiveness. Don't let the enemy tell you anything different. When we're faced with that truth, when we, when we come to those points, when we're reminded of like, yeah, I have sin in my life, don't let the enemy sneak in and say, yeah, you, should be, you are unworthy. Fight back. The truth is that you are forgiven. The truth is that we can have joy to keep going forward because God said, I brought you back into my presence. I brought you back into my presence because I want you here. I rebuilt my people because I want them in my presence. I forgave them and I made a way for them to be back here. You are all in this sanctuary right now because God wants you here. Think about that for a minute. He wants you here. He wants you in his presence. Enemy is gonna tell you otherwise. Otherwise. The truth is written right here. And that's our joy. That's our strength to get up every day and keep going, even when we mess up. Look at verse 12. Then all the people went away to drink, to send portions of food to celebrate with great joy, because now they understood that truth that we were just talking about. They underst- now understood the words that have been made known to them. Understanding the truth, they had great joy. Cornerstone, you know the truth that God loves you, that he has forgiven you. I pray that you know that truth today. I pray that you've come to that place where you've accepted that truth, that you've embraced that truth in your life, that he is working in you, that he has a plan for you. I want you to find joy in that, strength in that, Don't let the enemy get a foothold and tell you anything different. Open the word, dig deep, understand it and cling to that truth. Cling to that truth. There's more, look at at verse 13. On the second day of the month, the heads of the family along with the priests and the Levites gather around Ezra to teach, Ezra the teacher to give attention to the words of the law. They found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded through Moses, that the Israelites should live in temporary shelters during the festival of the seventh month, and they should proclaim the word and spread it through their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out into the hill country and bring back branches from the olive and wild trees, wild olive trees, and from myrtles, palms, and shade trees to make temporary shelters as it is written. So the people went out and brought back branches and built themselves temporary shelters on their Own roofs in the country, in their courtyards, in the courts of the house of God, and in squares by the water gate and the one by the gate of Ephraim. The whole company that had returned from exile built temporary shelters and lived in them. From the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated like this, and their joy was very great. Cornerstone, don't miss this. Okay. They had a desire to hear God's word. They took the time to understand it. And now they obeyed it. They were going through the law. And now they saw once again, back in Leviticus 23, they were to build these shelters. So they went out and they got the, the materials and they built these shelters. Do you know how long it had been since they had obeyed God's law and done these things? It says since the days of Joshua. How long do you think it had been since they, they had done these things? Now they were supposed to do these as a reminder of God's provision for them in the wilderness. But do you know how long that had been? 1,000 years we have a patient God. It had been a thousand years since they had been obedient to God in this way. These are God's chosen people and this is a beautiful story of his faithfulness, his love for them. He's bringing them back and rebuilding them in spite of their sin and rebellion, their lack of obedience to them. As we see their joy goes from great to very great as they obey and draw closer to him. I think obedience is something that we need to be very aware of. Don't worry, Mike. I go to church every week. I read my Bible. I pray. I tithe. I got it covered. I'm very obedient. It's great, but are you being obedient to everything God is asking of you? See, if we're not careful... We make our faith about our routine and not our relationship with God. We're doing what we want to do for God, but not necessarily what he's asking us to do for him. Let that sink in for a minute. What is God calling you to do? Again, his plan versus your plan. We need to be obedient instead of justifying or ignoring. And when we do that, he will draw us closer. I I spend so much of my life doing this, where I I feel like God is calling me to do something, and I, I justify it. But God, I'm doing all of these other things. My faith is solid, God. I go to church every week. I wake up every morning and I read my Bible. I pray. I tithe. I'm a solid Christian. Look at all of these things that I do. I have my quiet time every morning. I do all of these things, God. I am solid. And yet, when I feel God asking me, when I feel that nudge of the Spirit, that still small voice and God asking me to do these things in my life, I don't respond. And I I just, what I do respond with, look at all these other things I'm doing for you, God. I'm not being obedient. As we see in the story today, it's like the people are opening the word and they're like, oh, we're supposed to be doing these things. It had been a thousand years since they were obedient in those ways. We need to open God's word and be obedient to what it is he's calling us to do. Open our Bibles, face the truth of what it says and not pick and choose what we, what we like. Oh, I like that one, I'll do that one. Oh, that one really doesn't apply to today, so. Oh, I'm comfortable with that, Okay can't pick and choose. You know, open our Bibles. Be obedient to what is calling us to do. And we need to obey it. I beg you, don't just just let those be words. Let Let it sink in. Hear it. Obey it. James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looks at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But, whatever, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they'll be blessed in what they do. When we truly think about the God that we serve, the God that created us, we shouldn't hesitate to follow and seek him. We truly think about God, the God that created us, the God that we serve, we shouldn't hesitate to follow him, to seek him. I love the wording of that. When we truly think about the God that created us, we shouldn't just hesitate to follow him. We shouldn't hesitate to seek him. Are we seeking God? Are we obeying him? And that brings us to our take-home truth. When we're faced with truth... Trust and obey. It seems so simple, but why is it so hard for us? Why does that seem so hard for us? You see, when I got pulled over, when I saw those blue flashing lights behind me, I looked down at that odometer I started to come up with all kinds of things that I could say to the officer to get out of it. I think sometimes we do the same thing with God. We open our Bibles and we see the truth or we pray and we feel God challenging us to do something and we start to justify things. We don't like how things are going. Or we we have doubts. We just can't seem to trust and obey. We we just can't seem to let some things go, and we need to even at times define our own truth in our lives. Seems to be a big thing in our culture today. We can't just seem to trust and obey. So Mike, can you finally tell us why you're building a wall? It's been kind of awkward watching you build this wall and not talk about it all morning. So the people of Israel put up a wall to keep them safe so that they could be protected and keep the, the temple safe so they could worship in safety. You see, they put up a wall so they could hear the word of God. We put up a wall sometimes when we hear the word of God. Or when we, face, we come face to face with a, a truth that can be uncomfortable. Sometimes we don't even recognize when we're doing it. This morning, I I asked you to pray for the person next to you. Some of you weren't really comfortable with that. Maybe you put a couple of bricks up on the wall. I started the service this morning with a joke, and some of you don't think humor should have a place in church. It's true. Maybe some of you put a brick on the wall. Maybe it's something the pastor said, that you didn't understand, not this morning, but maybe a different morning. (laughs) And a couple of bricks went up on the wall. Maybe you struggle with God's plan for your life. It's not going how you would expect it or you want it to go. A couple of bricks go up on the wall. I mean, you love the Lord, but it's just hard right now. Maybe you got hurt by somebody. Maybe in the church. You just, it's just easier if you put a couple of bricks on the wall. Maybe you don't even realize you're doing it. Got a wall up between you and a a friend, maybe maybe open your Bible and it's just I, I I don't know if I can do that, God, and it's just kind of easier to put a couple of bricks up. Before you know it, I feel all alone. I mean, I have friends, but I guess I'm not really close to anybody. Why? Well, why do I feel so distant from God? And I I pray, but I don't guess I feel really close to God. It just always seems like there's something keeping me from really feeling that close to God. I wonder if it's because you have this wall up. And I wonder if you even recognize that you put a wall up. And this wall can represent a lot of different things in our lives. Maybe there's some, some things that you need to ask God about this morning. Maybe there's some things in obedience that you just haven't recognized in your life. Maybe you've recognized some things that you've just get caught in this routine. And maybe you just don't feel that joy that you once felt. And you're wondering where that where that joy is maybe it's you need to take down that wall and maybe you're asking God like do I do I need you to rebuild me again? Maybe you're like the people of Israel and you're like, God i I need you to draw me back in and honestly I just need a little revival in my life i I don't know where you're at this morning but I want to ask, do you feel distant from God? Do you feel like maybe you've put that wall up? I mean, honestly, I want you to really ask yourself take the mask off and just be honest this morning. Do you feel like maybe there's some areas that you've drifted? Maybe areas of obedience? And life has just been busy. I. I I recognize where God is asking me to do some things in my life, but it's just been busy, God. I get it. I, 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 want, I want to do these things, God, but it's just been busy. I, I got to provide for the family and the kids' sports and everything. I, I want to do that, but it's just been, it's been busy. And you've been justifying some things in your life, and maybe that's just a couple of bricks on the wall. I want to give Israel a hard time, but I wonder if I'm any different. I don't want to get to the end of my life and look back and see compromise. I want to be all in. I want to experience this joy of a closeness of abiding in obedience but I want to be clear that obedience isn't about the joy. It's about who God is. I want to obey because of who he is and the joy is a byproduct of that. I don't know where you're at this morning, but I want to ask you to just take a second to examine your heart. Maybe you need to ask God if it's time to Rebuild your relationship with them or if there's an area where you, you recognize that I just need to take a brick off the wall. There's no shame in that. There's celebration in that as a matter of fact. So I'm gonna end with this. Show a video. There's people that were born um, colorblind and they've invented these glasses that allow them to see color for the first time. And it's pretty powerful. Um, but imagine if you've never seen color before, and then for the first time, you experience something like seeing color for the, the very first time in your life, and that's what this video is. The color for the colorblind... I'm, I am colorblind. <laughs> 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 I don't know. Oh, these, are, these are special glasses. If you're have been in here that when people wear them that are colorblind, you can see the color just like we all see. Color. Like these yeah. And it came with balloons and all that. Oh, my goodness. I can put these on, and yeah, it'll... It's like it was supposed to be? It'll like correct, how we all see it. It'll yeah. correct your eyes so that you'll see how... It It's so clear again. Yeah. <laughs> Daddy, <laughs> you hate it? Wow. See the balloon color? Wow. Got these for you. Are they glasses? Yeah. You're kidding. The color blind ones? Nuh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> They're so expensive. You're kidding. Put a on! Are you serious? You guys can see this every day. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't know if you guys understand, but I didn't know. Grass the green, <laughs> yeah. It's unreal Stop making me cry. <laughs> but it's it's color. Like I don't. Nobody understands how. I'll have to relearn my color. I don't think you understand. I think sometimes we as Christians forget what we have we lose sight of that joy. And for people on the outside that get to experience it for the first time and they put on that lens and they see the truth of God's word and they, they see that and they are overwhelmed and they say, I don't think you understand what you have. And I asked this morning, have you, have you lost a sense of that joy a little bit? And you want to experience that again. That and I wonder if this morning that maybe you just need to confess that and seek that again with the Lord. And we need to share that with others. And you want to put that lens back on and see the truth of God's word for what it really is. Maybe the enemy has been attacking you and you've been stuck in the spot of just dwelling on your sin. And you need to find the the strength and the and the joy and the truth of who our God is and say, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. I can't tell you how many times after a service, somebody has come up after we preached or something and said, Lord, uh, Mike, I I felt like the Lord has been saying, come and kneel. Am I allowed to do that? The answer is yes. So we're going to invite the prayer team to come up. And during the last three songs, um, you can come up and ask for prayer. But if you feel like the spirit is saying, come up and kneel during those songs, I'm gonna invite you to to come up and kneel. But I'm gonna leave this wall up. And if as a symbolic gesture between you and God, if you feel like you wanna come up and take a brick off of the wall, I wanna invite you to do that this morning. Come and take a, a brick off of this wall. My friends, this morning though, let us find joy in the strength of who God is. Let's worship together.